Hi, and welcome to Conscious Working, the podcast. I'm Gret Batfler, your host and founder of Conscious Working. Having suffered burnout the height of my career, I prioritized me. I focused on my health and well-being and emerged more resilient and with greater clarity. And I had a deep knowing that businesses need to do better. And we're now on a mission to consciously change one company at a time. We do this through our leadership program, where we partner with C-suite and exec teams to educate them on the eight habits of a conscious leader. We do this through Tribe, our holistic well-being membership, to empower leaders and busy professionals to move from burnout to balance to brilliance. And we do this by sharing stories on this podcast, stories from conscious leaders and conscious experts who are doing things differently and succeeding. I am so excited to share all of this with you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is another episode of Conscious Leaders, and today I'm joined by Rachel Savage, the founder of Brand New Story. So I met Rachel a few months ago, actually, at the Spirit of Business Retreat with Jarvis Smith. He's another one of our conscious leaders. If you haven't tuned into him, you definitely should. Um, And I was sitting next to Rachel, and we just got along really well, and she was telling me about what she does, and I felt like it was perfect for conscious leaders. And so I managed to get her on. And basically she is working with businesses and leaders to really define their brand story. This is not about marketing. This is much more about bringing the customer on the journey and also bringing about bringing employees on the journey. And I love how she talks about this story, this brand new story of a business or a specific leader on how it can be used both for internal communications and for external communications. Um, One of the things that we often see is that, you know, brands or companies, they're so focused on the external that they forget about their internal teams. And I love that Brand New Story does use their model for also communicating internally with their employees so that the employees know what they're, you know, what they're signing up for, who they're working for, how their role is is vital to the success of um, this company. So we talk about Rachel's journey. We talk about what brand new story is, how it's evolving, the process that she takes her customers on. We talk about leadership. Uh, we talk about sacred leadership, spirited leadership, words that have not necessarily been in the tradition or vernacular for businesses, but that's starting to change. And we talk a little bit about how this is a journey and we're at the sort of the brink of this or the the cusp of change in businesses where spirit and the sacred is starting to enter. Um, And then we talk about well-being, something that obviously I'm really passionate about. And Rachel shares her morning practices as well as some other things that she does to stay well and her definition of well-being, which is simple, but 
very vital and very poignant. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to let you tune in to this episode of Conscious Leaders with Rachel Savage of Brand New Story. Enjoy. Rachel, so nice to have you to this episode of Conscious Leaders. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. So let's start off with your journey. You didn't always have brand story. You started off as a journalist, right? Yeah. So way, way back in the mid 90s, I spent five years working um, as a journalist and deputy editor for The Big Issue in the Southwest in Bristol. Um, And I think when I got to the end of that, that was such an amazing role for five years. You had you know, people saying yes to interviews that you would never normally get for a regional paper. It was it was an incredible, incredible time. And when I left there, because it's such it was, you know, it's a social enterprise. It's it's a business for good. I just couldn't imagine myself working for anywhere else in the media because there wasn't any other purpose led publications then. So I found myself going in house and working for Orange um, in Bristol so the telecoms company when they were really really exciting back in the back in the mid 90s and their branding was just incredible so i worked in, in internal comms and and comms there and then from there i went to the environment agency where i was for 5 years they were an incredible place to work i think that's really where all my environmental knowledge really got solidified there and then i had kids and we left the city we fled to um, gloucestershire up to the Cotswolds in Dursley. And just shortly after I had my second son, I joined Ecotricity in Stroud. So they're the um, Britain's, they were the first 100% green energy um, company. So I worked for them for a few years uh, before going freelance. And so where did Brand New Story come about? How did you get this idea that this was something that was needed? So out of desperation, actually, it wasn't, it really wasn't pleasant. Um, when I left Ecotricity, I became a copywriter. Um, I hated the word copywriter as a wordsmith. There are so, well, we all have words we do and don't like. So my two pet hates were the word copywriter and marketing. <laughs> so I, um, I left there and I really found myself struggling because I wanted to work for smaller conscious brands um, and they were run by absolutely amazing people, but they didn't have an identity. They didn't have a, really have a story. They didn't really know who they were. And I just really struggled. I felt like I was kind of plucking words out of thin air and just really crap at my job. And all the purpose felt like it had kind of flown out of the window. And then I sat down to write my website um, and, and also because I, I got quite frustrated because a lot of people would have you'd speak to them and say, you know, that they're, they're creating a new website or whatever it is they wanted to do or a new brand or they were launching. And they'd say, you know, we've got tens of thousands here. This is this is for our website. We've got this budget. We're going to spend, you know, we've given a lot of money. We've got the logo and we've getting the website done and all of that kind of stuff. And I then it would I'd ask them, well, what's your budget for content? And they'd just say, oh, oh we haven't got a budget for content. And as a wordsmith, it happened, you know, that was the story. I was, that was just like, that's the way it was. And I found it really frustrating. And then I wrote my own, and I kind of, you know, was grumbling to myself, bloody logos and websites, that kind of thing. And then I, so I did the same. I gave 
all of my budgets to a designer said I, I need a I need a logo and a website I'll do the content and he did all the design and then I sat down to write all of the content and I just looked and sounded like every other copywriter out there and there was no, there was no purpose and I was just mortified and I just pulled the website and thought I'm not going to do this I panicked I got under my duvet and I turned to personal growth because I had at that point decided that I would make it. It's lonely when you're an entrepreneur starting out. So I invited the universe to be my business partner and turned to self-growth, personal development, and came across a guy called Mastin Kip, um, or who, who I've been following for a while. And I, there was an online freebie, which was his um, workshop in LA with the hero's journey, which is essentially a story template, which many people will have heard of, which was created by Joseph Campbell. And that kind of put me back in touch with that. And I did a double Google search, the hero's journey in marketing brand storytelling came up and I just thought that is it. That's what I want to do. Um, and from there, can I keep, keep going? Yeah. Keep going. Yes. So from there, I then um, thought, well, what, I don't know what brand storytelling is. Like, what, what is brand storytelling? And I, in my mind, I had the, the image of each brand has a story that's written down somewhere and that's its story. And, and I need to find what that is. So I went on courses, I read books, and I just went on this two-year search looking for this elusive brand story. And then I realized that it didn't exist. So I created one. So what I do isn't, isn't brand storytelling. The marketeers are great at that. The in-house teams are great at that. What I do is I work with leaders and organizations for the creation of a story that begins with their purpose. So everything flows from that. I mean, it's so powerful. And I do want to get back to inviting the universe in because that's, mm -hmm. that's not the traditional way of, you know, developing a business. So I think we need to get back to that. But this idea around the creating the narrative, but actually the narrative, it's already there and it actually is connected to the founder. Yeah. So, and, and I know how lonely it can be mm -hmm. <laughs> starting your own business and trying to, you know, you have the vision of what you think you want it to get to, but there's so many steps to get there. Um, when you're working with a leader, found, whether it's a founder or the head of a company, um, is there a specific process that you take them through to help them develop that story, to figure out what that story actually is? Yeah. So, um, and the important point to probably make at this point is that so many or pretty much 99% of stories that are out there that, that brands consider them to be their story are actually not the full story. So they're just, they're usually the founding story. And this is called, so if you think of storytelling in most stories, most great stories, you have the hero and the mentor. Okay. So when a brand talks about itself, talks about its founding story, the founder, whatever it, whatever that is, that makes the brand the hero of the story. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what the approach that I do um, that I learned about from an amazing guy called Jonas Sachs in the States when I read his book is that you actually um, make the hero, that the hero is actually the customer. And for internal comms, it's the people, you know, it's, it's the, it's your people. And uh, when the people that are the people that are working in the company. Yeah. So it can be yeah. used for internal or external comms. So you have 
in your with your story, you have obviously you have more than one hero because you have different audiences. You have your internal comms audiences, and then you have your external marketing and um, customer audiences. And so they are the heroes of your story. And then the brand becomes and acts as their mentor. So that flips everything on its head and is much more empowering, empathetic relationship and changes everything. It really does change everything. I mean, you think about who are you serving? Because it takes it away from the brand being this thing and what you're trying to put in front of someone, but actually really recognizing what is it that the consumer is lacking or what is it that they need? Mm. And that's deciphering that correctly. Yeah, totally. And that's that's where, you know, the hero's journey comes in because the first step in the hero's journey is when we when you think about stories like Harry Potter or Star Wars, the heroes, never the wizard, never the Jedi. We meet them in their ordinary life, in their ordinary world. And they've got frustrations and they've got things they're struggling with. And and you can't build empathy with somebody via your website just by putting we're this, we're great, aren't we? You know, welcome to our website. It's actually speaking immediately to that person in their world. And so that they feel, you feel connected straight away. You don't even have to be in the room if you create that powerful brand, you know, that brand story. Yeah. Basically, I'm taking, if I read a website, I want to read it basically and think, oh my gosh, that person knows me already. And I've never met them, whether it's a person, an individual, or it's a brand. It's like, wow, they really get what I need. Yeah. And the moment that one person, one organization does that, immediately they'll stand head and shoulders above the rest of their sector. Because if you've if you've noticed every sector of business, all of their websites, like I found with the copywriting, they all look and sound the same. And when they want to rebrand or refresh, quite often they'll look to their competitors and take the best of what the competitors are doing because they're looking at all the other heroes. Whereas actually put the magnifying glass on your customer and everything takes care of itself. Yeah. And I guess I also what it's what it's sort of um conjuring up in my mind is like, actually, we're all unique. So if we're each unique, each brand is also unique. So their story and what they have to offer is completely different from what their competitor is offering. It is. Yeah. Um, so based on that, what is the process that you take a, your client through in order to get to this point? So it's um, it's a kind of a three-part process. So the first part is the story creation. And that process actually is 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 evolving as we speak. Um, but the first, the very by first the way, thing, just to interrupt, as all of our businesses and yeah. everything is, it should always be almost like a work in progress, right? Yeah, that it's definitely. constantly being evolved and you're <clears throat> iterating based on what the needs are. Yeah. So the first thing I do is work out what is that business's purpose, and the way I do this is that we look at the question questions what's the story you're seeking to change what does that story look like now and what will it look like when it's transformed mm. because How powerful yeah yeah and and that that I I could say that was a great idea I came up with but that's one of the things I remember as clear as day I was sitting here writing and it yeah. just came tumbling out it was yeah it was um Definitely felt like it was-, it was those those three questions just came out with like inflow moment that the, yeah, that was totally. what was intended. Yeah. 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 And and I think 
when you look at a lot of organizations purposes first of all you don't know there's so many where you look at them and you don't know what the hell they're talking about and if we don't know what the hell they're talking about how can their people know and how can their people get inspired and how can their customers want to be part of that and i think when you there's this huge gap between Anyway, we're talking about the process. I'm, I'm getting a bit off track. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. But I think yeah. that's very, very relevant. Okay. So the first yeah. one is really figuring out what first step, figuring out the purpose. Oh, you're seeking to change. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that also links you in with other organizations. So you can, t- you can start to collaborate instead of compete because there'll be other people that are seeking to change that story as well. So it's kind of just starting to change the landscape. Then we look at the story values. Um, And I call them that because a lot of people will say, but we've already got values. And then I'll look at those values and those values will quite often be a set of behaviors or orders for their staff. So this is very much about creating a set of shared values that are heart centered, that can be shared with their people, with their customers, with their suppliers, with everybody. So it's it's about being more human. Um, And from there, we begin, we, we look at, okay, who are the heroes of your story? And we um, usually start with just one. Otherwise, it just gets way too complicated. And we start to explore their world and see things from there. I get them to stand in their customer's shoes. And it's normally creative writing or it's a thought leadership conversation where we just talk and I I listen out for what they're saying and know know the things to kind of capture um, and ask them curated questions. Uh, then from there, it's okay. We've got your hero. We know what their world is like. Who's your mentor? What kind of mentor are you? <clears throat> and obviously, a mentor is a mentor. But as soon as you ask what type of mentor you are, you can start to use archetypes and you can actually pin an identity on your organization by choosing what type of mentor you want to be. So, and do you have specific archetypes? Yeah, I've got. Um, There's a woman called Margaret Hartwell who created a deck of archetypes. There's 60 of them. And I work those. Yeah, they're incredible. She's, yes, incredible. She created them. Um, Quite a lot of the brands that I work with are the rebels (laughs) of um, disruptors. There's a lot of change. Which makes sense. Yeah, trying to do things differently. Yeah. And uh, so as soon as you have that, this is where, as a wordsmith, you have your identity, you have your tone of voice. I looked up a load of um, of the massive brands, um, brand identities online. There's a, you can go in and have a look. And the tone of voice sections were just made no sense or they didn't even have them. Um, and so, yeah, so that will give you your tone of voice. And then it's a curated conversation of what happens when the hero and mentor meets. And that becomes a conversation that can then, um, yeah, so that that becomes a conversation between them that captures everything that you would ideally love to say to your customer without having to be in the room. Um, so it's a it's a kind of um, a chance meeting that is created. And then and finally, is, oh, w- sorry. So would that almost be like a pitch on the website without really having to pitch in person or it's just that first meeting? No, this, is for the, this is for the creation of the story. Okay, so what happens is the lot. So the last bit of work is then a future piece. So that's looking at your hero and where they are in the future. Um, and what happens is when once all of those and all of the assignments surrounding those, once they're all done, I go away and I take all of those assignments and all of those words and I 
um, create a brand story document with them. And that document contains your purpose, your vision, or your messaging, um, messaging that can be used on your website, on your sales decks, on internal, you know, internal comms, external comms, all of that. It's the words that represent the heart and soul of your business. And that sits in, at the moment, they, most of them sit as a Google Doc. So they're forever evolving document then once you start your story on its track. Um, but, but the next part is, is about sharing. And then I support them to share that story internally and then the telling of that story internally and externally as well. So that becomes more of me becoming, there's the intense work at the start to create the story. And then I support them with mentoring um, for six or 12 months after the creation of it. Mentoring them on how they should deliver this and how oh, they can yeah. use this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it, marketing people and it, it's not marketing people and internal comms people and HR people and all the people in the, in fact, all the people in, in the organization who are responsible to bringing it to life. I'm just kind of a sounding board for them. They're brilliant at what they do, but there might be ways of getting used to using that story that they haven't quite mastered. So I just work with them for a, you know, a short while or a long while, however long they need, and act as their sounding board and a kind of ideas partner for how best to tell that story. And why is this whole process so important? I think it's because it's currently, there, it feels like there's a missing piece within branding on the branding side of stuff and within um in strategic and thought leadership and strategy and thought leadership so internally what that kind of looks like a lot is that organizations will sorry i don't know if you can hear that as my bell the rescue dog in the background and a that's okay. We love doggies that come visit. Okay. I, so when I'm teaching my yoga classes, sometimes I've got my dog trying to open the door and it's rich back and she does know how to open the door. <laughs> so where was I? What was I talking about? So yes, um, quite often yeah. uh, the, the leadership team will come up with a new strategy and they will go to their people and say, this is our new strategy. Tell everyone about it internally, get them to tell everyone, all our customers and potential customers about it. And they're handing them a strategy which is written in the language of the boardroom that nobody outside the boardroom actually uses. So there's this huge gap of actually what's missing is the translation of that strategy into a story, into that language of story that everybody else in the world speaks. So there's that piece of work. And um, also with branding, it's about, okay, everyone, we jump in and we go design-led and we come up with logos and visuals for what we're doing. But actually, if we just spend the time creating this, it's like a film script. If you think about a film script, when, we, when there's a film made, everybody reads the script first and then they do their job. Their job is bringing that script to life. The brand story, which is, it looks a bit like a script, that acts as the script for everyone in that organization, the designers, the marketers, HR, legal, like ops, everybody to then bring that story to life. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because um, you want your employees to buy into this and feel like they're a part of this amazing business that's that's offering whatever it's offering, creating yeah. whatever it's creating. But when you get 
just delivered something that doesn't really make any sense and jargon that you don't understand. How, what are you going to buy into? It ends up just being a job. And yeah. it sounds like the companies and the people that you would work with then are definitely, there is a, there is a specific type of business that you would target. Yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. Um, but I think people are waking up to the power of story. Um, do you want your people to deliver a strategy or tell a story? I think I think it's I think it will begin to catch on to more people. But I think the people at the moment who are really interested, they probably they're quite conscious. Um, they're conscious leaders. They're they're here because their business. They want to do good with their business, and they maybe have been through the B Corp process that there, there may be other things that they've done. They might have just created a sustainability strategy. There's a whole new story that's emerging about them and that they want to tell. Um, and actually going in with the same old thinking when their thinking has changed so much, kind of, you know, it's that old Einstein kind of saying, this is a different way of thinking or a new way of being. Well, it sounds like it's also, it's not a one and done. So this is actually a document that can, as you said, it's, not, it, it's living. So as things evolve, then the story can also evolve, just like a movie evolves. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you can go and you could start to work on different heroes. It, it's always evolving because we're always evolving. A story keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Um, and, and you think about any website as an example, it's not a static document you know on a screen it's an ever-evolving thing and stories are as well yeah and is there any science behind this or is there any data on you know story creation and how it can support businesses I have to confess I'm not I'm not really one for loads of data but yeah I mean the psychology is there um and I think we are as humans stories are our emotional DNA. And I think Joseph Campbell kind of, he did so much work around this and the, the importance of myth and story. They're how we shape society. You know, anything that, anything that happens, we tell a story. This podcast so far, it's just all of it is stories. And yeah, so I even think about, you know, the greatest leaders for me were the ones that were able to tell a story to get you on board. So actually with that said, I'd love to hear just sort of switch over to sort of business and leadership and get your thoughts on good leadership and what that looks like. Yeah, I think we see lots of bad leadership. There's a lot of bad leadership in the world at the moment. Um, and it's actually through working with Paul from Diary Detox, where what's really come to light is this need for, there are two types of leadership. There is people leadership and there is thought leadership. And so the work that I do is very much the thought leadership side of things. Um, and then you also, you're getting spirited leadership as well, which is very much about being present to that kind of, that working from a spiritual place, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and I think, so in terms of leaders, I think it's the thought leaders that really excite me in the world rather than the business leaders I'm not seeing you know there's the Patagonias and, and people like that who are amazing but but where I get my inspiration from is from the thought leaders in the world at the moment so let's touch on spirited leadership because you just brought that up you talked about the universe having your back and turning to the universe to as you founded the brand new story 
what is spirited leadership? So I think spirited leadership for me is about looking after leading from a place. It's, it's really simple. It's about leading from a place of love and collaboration and, you know, all of, all of the aspects of love rather than leading through a place of fear. And I think there was somebody that said all emotions that humans possess come from one of two core emotions. They're either from love or fear. And so when you lead from love, <clears throat> everything changes. Um, I saw there was an amazing post this morning on LinkedIn that I saw, and it was um, Mark Cudigan from, I think that's his name, from Ella's Kitchen, the photo of his daughter holding up um, a competitor's bar of, of what, uh, you know, like a, like a, I don't know, like a, pro a protein bar or something like that. Yeah. And he said to his daughter, why are you buying a competitor? Why are you buying a competitor's bar? And she just said, dad, they're a B Corp. And wow. Yeah, totally. And, and that is the difference. When you lead with love, it's about collaboration. And it's about all of those B Corps are working to change the story of business from being um, supportive of the destruction of nature and humanity, you know, blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff to being about love and about caring, for becoming custodians for the planet. Yeah. And that actually there is opportunity out there for all of us. There is abundance. And yeah. if we tap into that, there is a space for each and every one of us. Yeah. Going back to your idea about curating this brand new story, it's unique for each company, which means that, you know, there's space for all of us to exist yeah. and to offer something. Yeah. And you, you talked about the science earlier. And one thing I do remember from when I was um, researching what is a brand story all those years ago is that when advertising started out in the 50s, there were two main types of psychology at the time. There was Maslow with his hierarchy of needs, which was all, you know, self-actualization and all the positive, that's probably the love aspect of, of the psychology. And then there was Freud, which let's not go there with all of that. And one of the leading ads, ad salesmen and people of the time was actually Freud's nephew. So advertising became about building a sense of lack, making people feel um, crap about themselves in order to sell them something, you know, that whole FOMO thing. So I think that is what's changing at the moment is we are shifting into an era where it's time to have love in business. In business and then, and just yeah. within, within organizations too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely was in a, in, in an unhealthy and have been in some unhealthy organizations where it was really led by fear. And I, I woke up every day in like a panic attack because, you know, did I do the right thing yesterday? Oh gosh, what's going to happen today? And actually there is a big transition now. And I love this idea about collaboration and, you know, there's enough room for all of us. Mm. Um, when, so you, you also talk a lot about, and I know you're passionate about bringing the sacred into business. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? I think that's been a little bit of a journey. I think it's, it still feels a little bit weird to talk about it. And I think that's because so many of us who are, on the personal growth journey <clears throat> or on a spiritual journey, we've, we've almost been sat in the spiritual closet for however long. And I think that's really changing now. And 
being sacred leadership for me is about choosing to combine your spiritual practices that, you know, like I get up every day, I will meditate, I will do my practice, I will, I will kind of tune in to like realign all my, all my energies, all my different, my physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental energies, and just bring that, come into that sense of calmness that is that place of love. And, and then I take that same energy into my business. And it changes things. I think we're, we've, we're in a very, we're coming towards the end of a very patriarchal time where businesses were run in that very patriarchal way. And I think that's really, people have just had enough. I think COVID was a huge disruptor to that. And things that we're only just starting to see the changes coming in post-COVID, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that well, I definitely can see with some of our clients that there is this shift that people are becoming much more open. They're aware that they need to, that they need and they want to support their teams in a much more holistic way. Um, and they can't keep, you know, forcing things to happen or put it, placing the demands, but at the same time, you, there's, there's still some, I don't know what the right word is, but there's still some, you know, I guess. Yeah. Resistance to doing things a little bit differently. And I I totally get what you say, you know, you're talking about the spirit and sacredness in business is still a little bit like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. Um, so if someone did question that, how how do you respond? Someone said, well, I don't, I just don't get it. So I think it is about when approaching the sacred in business, it's about practicing what I preach. And that's to put myself in the shoes of the person I'm speaking to. Because they're, in order to bring them to this work, they might not want full on woo-woo version. And it may be that they just, you know, standing in their shoes, they just they just want the, the more practical elements um, or the language needs to be a, di- a bit different. Um and so, yeah, it's about they're the hero in this. And if you're mentoring them in a way you need to do in a way that's comfortable for them and that resonates with them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. And and I, I actually have caught myself using that. Oh, this isn't that woo woo anymore. And actually, I'm trying to stop that because this is all becoming more mainstream yeah. Just everyone needs to start somewhere. We all started somewhere. I meditated for the first time at some point. I remember thinking that early period, like, oh, people are probably looking at me when I have my eyes closed, thinking, what's she doing? That that's so weird. Now it's for me, it's so normal, but we all start everything. There's a first for everything. So um that whole idea around language and just starting small seems right. Starting in a way that seems right for that, that's relevant for that person. Um what are you seeing out there right now in businesses um, when it comes to the sacred and spirit? Are are businesses really starting to evolve? Are you seeing the forward momentum or is it this is really we're just at stage one? I think we're very much at stage one. I think that what we're seeing is the the existing story of there being no sacredness in leadership starting to crumble. And we're seeing that because people are leaving, you know, we've had the great resignation. People have been leaving businesses en masse very much. I think COVID was a massive reset 
of what was important in life. And that was the people around us, you know, the friends, the family, um, and people were incredible during that time. The businesses that kept going where people just overnight had to um, shift everything they were doing. So I think we're in the early stages of it. And I think it's something that will suddenly it will start off, you know, like anything, there will be those early adopters and then it, it will become much bigger. Just something that came to mind that would be so interesting. It's like another project that you could work on, like having the brand new story for this new way of business, this new way of working. Yeah. I don't know if you've already thought about that. And I was like, but that's almost a story in and of itself, like the past way of doing things and this new way. And what does that story look like? Yeah. And I think there are people that are already doing that. I think that, and those are the people that I want to work with who want to shift the way work is being done. You know, um, I mean, just even going into the office is completely different. I've noticed that, my husband went back in, he's been going back into the office a little bit where he is, but it's still desks everywhere and nobody in. And I think a lot of people, teams are looking to go back back in on the same day and everything. And an office is becoming a space where people are in community and with their, with their work family. And so I think the way offices will be, will be become more comfortable. There'll be different kind of spaces within them. Um, so yeah, I think- and the and the purpose of them is becoming different. Like, how do you use your space? Is it a communal space to bring people together? And then, you know, if you have to do real deep work, you actually work from home, or you work from a place that makes more sense for you. Yeah, and you know, the government wanted. I'm thinking of Jacob Rees-Mogg wanted everybody back in the office, and the way he did that was by telling them they were all very naughty and they needed to get back in the office, and they were lazy, and and that is that is a very patriarchal kind of get you know finger wagging thing whereas actually it's like create beautiful spaces that people want to go into and they get out of bed in the morning and they think yes I'm going there it's a, it's an amazing space and I'm getting to see those people that that's completely different and then also that trust element I mean I think the people that are demanding people to come back to the office are ones that don't trust their employees to be doing their job. And maybe that's because they haven't given them a purpose to do their job. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about, you, t- you mentioned your practices to get yourself set up. And obviously I'm really passionate about well-being. So I'd love to know just, you know, what are your non-negotiables and how do you stay well as you're on this journey to creation, creating brand new story? Well, it's a work in progress, definitely. Um, My first non-negotiable is every day I do a daily practice, which was taught to me by Jarvis Smith from Spirited Leadership. Um, He also runs My Green Pod and the P Awards. Um, But twice a year now, he runs with Pip um, from Fieldwork. He runs a retreat up in Yorkshire at Broughton Hall which is where we met. It um, is where we met. Um, and I'm going to link up all those details um, yeah. because it's uh, it's relevant for all of you listening. Yeah. And I, the first time I met Jarvis over LinkedIn, which is brilliant because that's the last person I expect. So yes, the sacred, that's how it showed up for me was on LinkedIn of all places, which is, which is great. 
And um, he has a great practice, a couple of great practices, which is all about, you know, aligning your energy, your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional bodies each day. I've been practicing that for nearly two years now. It was hard to start with, you know, we, the idea that Jarvis says that we have a spiritual team around us made me kind of giggle a little bit when I first met him, even though I was really into all of that kind of stuff. And now every day I have a practice and I really feel amazing by the end of it. Like I feel clear, ready to go into the day, that intuition comes to me, synchronicities happen. And it's it's really made a massive difference. <clears throat> and it's helping me to live in times that I think if I didn't have this practice, it would be a very different story. I think I'd be very ungrounded and not in a great place with my well-being. So there's that. Um, and then I go to Pilates classes. And Rachel, well. just just that practice in yeah. the morning, just out of curiosity, how long, how long is that for you? So it can be anything from five minutes, I need to quickly do this, or it can last up to half an hour, 40 minutes. It, I, I don't do it for like a really, really long time. I know some people will sit and meditate for an hour at a time and I, I just don't do that, but it can be a mixture of things. I can start off with the practice and then afterwards I feel called to do some like journaling for a few pages and stuff comes up, you know, questions that I've been struggling with there. Um, yeah, it just depends really. Right. No, thank you for that. Because I think, as you said, some people feel like, oh, I don't have time to do an hour or 30 minutes, but you can do five minutes if that's all you have. Yeah. Yeah. And then Pilates. Sorry, I had interrupted. Yeah. So I do Pilates as well, um, at least a couple of times a week. And I we have the dog, so I walk her as well. And that <clears throat> we're lucky here because I can just be walk, you know, walk out and be in the fields and in the woods and it's absolutely stunning countryside. So I go out for my walks in nature and that just helps to really settle things as well. And do you have a definition, a clear def definition of well-being for you? Um, there was something I read last night where the definition of well-being was being well. <laughs> and I just love that. So simple. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. And, and how can everyone find you? Because they need to find you. Oh, they you. need this story. They need yes. to find their story. Yeah. So online, um, the website's brandnewstory.co.uk. And LinkedIn, I'm under Rachel Savage. Um, brand new story as well on LinkedIn. Perfect. And we will make sure that all of that is included in the show notes so that people can find you at the click of a button. Brilliant. Um, thank you. Really, really nice to speak with you. And so nice to hear about how Brand New Story is helping businesses to define who they really are and showcase it to the customers and to the world. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you in the next episode. And by the way, if you like what you heard, then hit subscribe to receive all the future episodes. Better yet, if you're feeling inspired by what you just heard, then leave a review letting me know who else you might want to hear from on Conscious Leaders. To learn more about the show, about Conscious Working, or Tribe, our membership, head over to our website, ConsciousWorking.co. Yes, it's just CO, so ConsciousWorking.co. And for those of you that might be suffering burnout, 
we have a great free resource, the Beat Burnout Guide. It's a really simple assessment with tools for you to take action now. Check it out in the show notes so that you can access it immediately. See you in the next episode. Be here and be well.